Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, Saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed-saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed-saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.org for more information. That's SEEDS to 33444 or visit seedsavinghacked.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Robin Kelson to talk about her experience with seed saving resiliency. Robin is the owner of Good Seed Company, Heirloom Seeds for Common Use, a small heirloom vegetable, flower, and herb seed company based in Whitefish, Montana, and dedicated to helping reestablish the community practice of selecting, saving, and sharing seeds for common use. The Good Seed Company envisions becoming a model for cultivating community-grown resilient seeds, seed saving, and gardeners, and offers workshops from soil to seed under the trade name DIY Grow, including a one-year seed steward internship. DIY Grow seeks to reduce the barrier to entry for anyone wanting to take control of their food. A biochemist and attorney by training, Robin has spent over 30 years exploring human vitality, resiliency, and patterns in the world. In support of cultivating a sustainability perspective for our common future, she also offers the Resiliency Dialogues, presentations for all audiences that introduce simple tools from nature 
for practicing resiliency in any context and to invite dialogue on this subject. Wow, and welcome to the show today, Robin. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. It's absolutely a pleasure to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm delighted you asked me. Well, thank you. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to where you're at now? Okay, sure. Let's see. Well, you know, I, basically, I didn't start all of this at once. I, I, I started by being uh, interested in nutrition and, and what, what constitutes the ingredients for living a, a physically and energetically vibrant life mm -hmm. at, at the human body level. And that took me in many directions, one of which was to look into what, what makes for nutrient-dense food. And part of that was getting involved into how do we improve the quality of our soil, because that's a real key element for uh, nutrient-dense food. And, and while I was working on that concept in a variety of projects, I had the opportunity to purchase an heirloom seed company that was going out of business wow. that was uh, owned, owned by a, a, an extraordinary gentleman in northeastern Washington by the name of Harris Dunkelberger, who'd been growing and uh, selecting and saving seeds on his uh, homestead up in the wilds of northeastern Washington on 16, 600 pristine acres wow. up there. And he was now, yeah, he's been, he'd spent a long time identifying and saving seeds from varieties that did well in his climate zone. Uh -huh. And these were extraordinary seeds and he was uh, retiring and didn't know what to do with his seed inventory. So I took it over. So I just didn't really know what, I'd never owned a seed company before. And so that was a learning process. That was about four and a half years ago. Uh, I mean, I just kept leaning into it. So as I, the first thing I did was go to seed school, um, which was uh, sponsored through Native Seed Search at the time right. under Bill McDormand and Bell Starr's uh, guidance and directorship. Now they have, of course, as you know, have their own Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance organization. Yep. Anyways, and so I learned from them really what's involved in saving seed and, and teaching, learning how to become a seed steward. And then that became, over time, really what I found myself focusing on as a niche is the function of the seed good seed company I determined was how can we help our community reestablish a practice of selecting, saving, and sharing seeds for common use. That's that's what makes for a resilient community and it makes for a resilient ecosystem. And and it, in my opinion, it's the best uh, way we can support our resiliency as a species, as literally the human species, which is, I think, the only species I'm really worried about not making it here over the yeah, long term. Exactly. I think, I think the, plan, the planet will do fine, but we might not make it. So how how do we become more resilient and and that a, a big piece of it is taking taking ownership of our our food supply again and a big piece of that is our seeds and so in order to do that we have to work together as a community so it's been a couple generations since we as 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 community members took responsibility for our own food you know our ancestors did that naturally anyways so that's really the niche that the seed company yeah. took over and everything. So I just kept leaning into it. And so uh -huh. now my goal was, has been and is to get backyard growers to be within the community to be the source for all the seeds that the seed company sells. I've probably got 
maybe at a maximum at the moment, a quarter to a third of our seed supply coming from our community, but that's continuing to grow. And I wow. envision that in a couple of years, it'll be all within the community. And that, that'll make me just really happy. My goal actually as a business model is to become obsolete, you know, right. that, that we don't need a company to do this, but that's, that's, that that's down the road. Yeah. Anyways. And so a uh, part of that has been, in order to help support so it just it's just been a process of continuing to lean in and and so i then developed a a, a series of workshops on helping people learn how to grow food because uh-huh. in order if you want to save seeds first you have to grow food and and a lot of people have just don't really have a connection to growing food anymore and and for some of them it actually seems like a complicated or difficult thing and Uh so how can we reduce the barrier to entry for someone who wants to take control of their food supply Mm -hmm. and uh so that's led to the uh education programs that we that we uh sponsor under diy grow and um in collaboration with Bill and Bell and the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance, we specifically offer a one-year seed internship. Wow. Uh, the seed, seed, seed steward internship so that someone can learn, you know, how to grow food for, for saving seeds and all the, all, the, all the aspects involved with it. Really, my intention for that was twofold. One mm-hmm. is to provide the resource for teaching people who can then become stewards and teach others, but also... I'm specifically using the curriculum from Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance and want Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance to issue a certificate to the people who who are successful entrants at the end of the year so that we can help educate people about Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance and and let them know that it's a what a valuable resource it yeah. is not only for education but but also for you know supporting the concept of a regional seed bank and just help educate people to the concept of, of what they're trying to create through the alliance. Yeah. So Robin, you have mentioned the word resiliency on several occasions. Can you kind of speak to that? What is it and why we should be, uh, cons- you know, paying attention to it? Sure. So it, it's useful, I think, to talk about it as compared to the word sustainability. Mm-hmm. and. You know, that's a commonly used word, and they're probably both at risk of becoming buzzwords if they're not already. But sustainable really speaks more to conserving a balance by avoiding depletion of resources. And we talk about it often in the context of, you know, our our natural resources and maintaining a balance of de- avoiding depleting our natural resources yeah. so that we can be, say, sustainable and environment or whatever. Resiliency, on the other hand, really speaks more to the ability to recover from some kind of a disruptive change. Mm. It could be a negative change or a positive change, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be, It we often talk about it in the context of, you know, uh, climate change, for example, because people are experiencing a lot of changes in climate that are highly disruptive. And a disruptive change is is really characterized by being something that is difficult to predict and has a high risk associated with it. Uh-huh. So, you know, in a personal context, it could be, you know, an unexpected illness or a fire, you know, as a negative disruptive change, or it could be, you know, you get a call from Oprah to come on her show or you win, you know, the, the X factor. Both of those are going to be 
they're hard to predict and they come with high, then your life is going to change in an unexpected yeah. way. Yeah. And so how, how can you recover and adapt uh, to that? And it's more and more of an issue, if you will, or, or a topic of conversation in this day where we seem to be experiencing extremes of weather yeah. that are difficult to predict and that people, you know, most people believe to be related to what we call climate change. And some people disagree is that, you know, whatever, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road, yeah. but you know, anyways, so with respect to seeds, we have a situation today where uh, 95% of the agricultural crops that we as and in America alone re rely on for our food, 95% of the varieties are have disappeared and they've disappeared because most of the seed supply is now in the hands of a small number of large corporations and their their job is to maximize the bottom line for their shareholders and to do that they grow three or four you know a small number of varieties of right. plants that do really well under their conditions but the difficulty with that is that the genetics get reduced and we don't have the variability in the that that varieties provide within an agricultural crop species uh -huh. that could withstand unexpected changes from climate or right. pest or or diseases that might show up unexpectedly. And so our seed supply is at risk of being resilient in, in the future. Mm -hmm. So I, I have found that as I talk about the seed company and I talk about this concept of helping a community reestablish the practice of selecting, saving, and sharing seeds, that the topic of resiliency is essential yeah. to, to the conversation. I wanted to clarify something. You said that it is at risk of being resilient. You didn't mean that, I don't uh, think. I did not. What I meant, what I meant, is that it's at risk of no longer being resilient. Yeah. You know, we're, our food supply is at risk yeah. as a result, and so, and the only way to to redevelop that and rebuild resiliency in our seas is at the community level to start selecting, saving, and sharing our own seeds. Yeah. Amen to that. You know, it's it's not it's not more complicated or difficult than that, but it does. It's easy to do. It just takes everybody leaning in and saying yes. I, I love that you keep using that term, leaning in. I like that. It's uh, very descriptive and, and explanatory. Yay. So given all this talk about resiliency, can you tell us more about your resiliency dialogue conversation that you've got going on? Yes, sure. So as a way of introducing people to the topic of resiliency and I, you know, I started to ask myself the question, well, you know, okay, great, resiliency is a great idea, but, you know, how do you do it? Like, that's, it, you know, like, all right, what does it mean to be resilient? How do I practice it? Yeah. So I did a lot of study and reading on it, and I found a body of work that's actually encapsulated in a book called Learning from the Octopus by a gentleman by the name of Rafe Sagarin, S-A-G-A-R-I-N. And he... He and the folks that he worked with, it was a group of about eight or ten scientists from a whole bunch of disciplines, put together, or what they did is they looked at a lot of different species that are still on the planet today, which by definition means they're successful and they're resilient because they've managed to survive they a do. whole bunch of unexpected planetary disruptive events. And if you look at these species and you look at ecosystems that are still successful today, 
it turns out that there are two key principles and six, I call them behavior choices, that can be extracted as a pattern that's common to all, all species that are resilient. And, and it's, they're very simple. In fact, you know, there's nothing new or un, unexpected among these principles or choices. It's just the idea of bringing them all together as a practice. And so I thought, I thought it was a really useful tool to learn. I found it had immediate application once I started to practice these tools just in my own life and in my business practice. You know, you know it, they're really tools you can use in any application if your goal is long-time viability, whether uh-huh. it's of a business or a relationship, you know, let alone a species or a planet. And so my thought was, if I can talk about, teach people about resiliency that they can apply in an area that's important to them in their lives, say their business or their relationship, for example, mm-hmm. then they may, like my, like I did, start to develop a larger perspective on the definition of resiliency because it turns out I found myself developing a filter through a through which I saw everything as whether it was resilient or not resilient. And that actually helped me think more expansively about planetary resiliency or how to be more effective in practicing resiliency within my community. Mm -hmm. And if we all start to do that, which again is another process of just leaning in, that will support all of us in starting to become, you know, better resilient members of our species and our ecosystem as a community. So I talk about it at schools. I talk about it to, you know, any organization that will have me. And I try to craft the conversation towards the makeup of the group that I'm talking Mm, to and and invite them to just practice it in in an area of their life that's important to them and then let it go from there. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And uh, people seem to really... Uh, enjoy listening to it because I put in lots of examples from nature and, yeah. and that's always fun. So I want to talk about your good seed company and its tagline heirloom seeds for common use. What does that mean? And tell us about your company. Okay. Well, um, heirloom seeds are what are called open pollinated seeds and open pollinated seeds are seeds that will grow true to type. So that means if you take the seeds from a squash plant, say a delicata squash plant, plant those seeds, you'll get another delicata squash plant that pretty much tastes and looks and has the characteristics of the parent plant you started from. And that's different from what are called hybrid seeds Mm. that don't grow true to type. So all heirloom seeds are open pollinated, true to type seeds. And an heirloom seed simply means that it's been passed down. It has traits that someone took, has someone valued and selected for. And it could be, you know, simply that your grandmother loved the taste of the (laughs) Salmon River squash seed, saved the seed, you know, and is now passing it on. But someone took some time to recognize traits that they liked in this plant. Mm -hmm. So they selected for it. Then they saved the seeds from it. And then they shared them with a third person, which is another family member or a neighbor or whatever. So it has, it, it encapsulates those three critical elements for resiliency, which is selecting, saving, and sharing. It's a critical that if you want to maintain the genetics of, of, of a quality you like, you have to select for it. You have to say, 
I value the fact that this has a certain flavor or that it stores well or that it, you know, survives early frost, you have to keep selecting seeds from those plants. Otherwise, you sort of, it, they, they talk about the traits being diluted or being kind of lost. Mm-hmm. So that's a key element. Then you have to save the seeds from it. That's another key element. And then most importantly, in my opinion, you have to share the seeds. And the mm. key for sharing seeds is that you keep the genetics vibrant and you keep the genetic diversity in in this plant which is critical for being able to be resilient for unexpected acts that might show up from climate or pests. Uh, if, if we all had seeds from the same genetic parent and that we're all grown in the same conditions, we're not getting variability that could withstand unexpected changes. So you grow, you grow grandma's salmon river squash in your backyard all grow it in mine and our neighbor down the road will grab it will grow it in theirs and we all share some of our seeds we're all going to get some mix of genetics that will uh, better support all of us with when there's something unexpected that happens beautiful so you're actually and this was a curious thing that you said a little while ago you're actually using your customers to grow out seeds for you? Is that, did I say that correctly? So the seed company, good seed company is really de- dedicated more towards backyard growers and uh-huh. small farmers than, you know, we don't do large scale production really on any scale. Right. But so we're, we're really directed to the backyard grower. And my, my vision and goal is that backyard growers and small farmers become the seed producers for the company. Mm in the future. So I'm over here, I'm over here, I'm over here jumping up and down saying, okay, I want to play, I want to play. I mean, I would love (laughs) to grow out a couple of different varieties for you. How does somebody, you know, if they're jumping out of their seat at this moment saying, oh my gosh, that's cool. How do we, how do we interact with you to make that happen? Okay. So then here comes the DIY grow thing because now we need to teach you how to grow, how to grow plants for saving seeds and how to save those seeds, you know? So the other piece of it is, again, this is a niche for the good seed company. We, we sell both certified organic seed and what I call, or what the good seed company calls ecologically farmed seeds because backyard growers are not going to go through the process of being certified organic, but we teach them how to be, ecological farmers, uh, which is what our ancestors were for thousands of years. Our ancestors were basically organic farmers. They just were never certified by a government agency. So, you know, we teach them what's involved in that. And it's basically, you know, growing food in healthy soil, uh, in uh, harmony with nature and all of the components that go into that. So we teach them how to do that. We teach them Depending on the seed crop, you know, there are some seed crops that are easy to grow for seed. There are others that are more complicated because there's cross-pollination issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we teach them all that process. We teach them how to save the seed, harvest the seed, uh, do the germination testing. You know, so there's lots of steps to it. And and all of those are uh, tools and skills that are really for the community to do. De- to uh, have access to yeah and as we as we teach them all these skills they that they can now become seed growers yeah. and 
we sell their seed and you know we're 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 a very young company in this new paradigm mm-hmm. and in terms of creating a profit for our seed growers that's that's really kind of down the road yet but but we we certainly compensate them you know in the as best we can to support them in uh, making this a positive endeavor for themselves and the community cool excellent so what's your website address goodseedco.net perfect so if y'all are out there listening and want to start playing goodseedco.net that's correct and we also have a facebook page if you want to connect with us that way we we communicate with lots of people via the facebook page as well perfect we'll have all that on the show notes page as well okay so if there was one thing you could communicate to anyone curious about seed saving, what would that be? It would be just lean in, just start saving something. Mm-hmm. Start, you know, it's easy to save seed. It really is. The first people who saved seeds did not have a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> you, the worst, as Bill McDormand will say, you know, if you fail, at least you got the food to eat. It's yep. just not. It's just there's there's no there's no downside there's there there really are no failures. Yeah. Try and learn. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you once you get bitten by that bug, you know there's no <laughs> going back. I oh, think yeah. you'll become a seed saver for life. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, uh, I hear so, you on that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So one more technical kind of question, and then we're going to shift. Uh, intellectual property and seed saving. What's the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, it's funny. I, I I thought about that. It's like the idea behind intellectual property, as as it behind patents, I guess, as they it was originally designed by our forefathers in the legal system, was to promote the advancement of science and development. It, the idea was that if you shared your invention with the world, it would create more opportunity for expansion and creativity. Mm-hmm. And so that's what our forefathers did when they came up with a patent system. And it was never intended to be a, a way of keeping things from others. And, and so, you know, when our, when our forefathers in the legal systems thought about patents, they were thinking about mechanical devices and, and you know, right. things that were widgets that you made. And it's only in the area when patenting started to apply to living things, genes and plants, for example, that it's actually had the opposite effect. It keeps it keeps things that really should be for the common use out of people's hands. Uh, so there's this, we we have this whole phenomenon of patented seeds, which makes it impossible for many people to grow and save certain seed varieties, which is, in my humble opinion, ludicrous and <laughs> antithetical to what was intended by yeah. the patent system yeah. or, you know, by human nature, period. Right. So it, it uh, I, I don't, I guess I see seed saving as a, as a small act of defiance. And, I and, love uh, that. 
<laughs> I don't know what to say. There's another yeah. word for it. I can't think of it right no, now. No, no, no. That's But good. it's a small act of, of uh, rebellion. Yeah. And I, in honor of, of life, basically, yeah. you know, and and uh, our, our success as a species and yeah. human nature. Yeah. So for my longtime listeners, they know that I'm always looking for epic. And what you just said is epic. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you know, I, you're welcome. I also find it ludicrous to be able to patent life. That just seems, it's head spinning to me. It's like, what is that about? So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Through your company, the Good Seed Company, you co-sponsored Free the Seeds, a festival in March of 2016. Yes. What was it? And are you going to do it again? Yes. So last year was the first annual, and we named it the first annual event. And it, it's really the work I, I helped co-sponsor. It's the work of a group of uh, members of our community that got together to to have kind of a large-scale seed swap, sort of like um, the Seed Up. Is that what it's called? The, yeah program that's in Arizona? Yeah. The, yeah, the Great so, American Seed Up that Bill and Bell and Carter and I do. Yeah. Exactly. So the idea behind Free the Seeds is to develop a community-powered opportunity for building a sustainable and resilient future through real seeds, real food, and real skills. So we had a seed swap, uh, a old-fashioned seed swap, uh, and also plant starts. For sharing heirloom seeds and plants, seed and plant starts. Wow. We had, I think, we had 18, 18 workshops that were intended to develop skill building resources for both curious beginners and what we call humble experts. Mm -hmm. And and then we had a, a whole bunch of booths. We the first year we had over 30 booths, and this year we're going to have over 50. That were all information and resource. Dedicated, And the idea was we wanted to be able to provide information for anyone who has any level of interest in taking control of their food again. And our intention was to make sure to the best of our ability that we put the, the invitation out to anybody who had any interest within like a 250-mile radius. Uh -huh. And I think we really kind of thought we would have about 350 people. And 1,600 people showed up. Wow. It, it blew our minds. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I, you know, I, when we could finally catch our breath and think about it, it, we felt like we were in the middle of a tipping point, yeah. you know, or a revolution yeah. or something. We are. A movement. Or, yep. And, and I, this is now Robin speaking. I'm not speaking for anybody else on the committee. Just know that. This is because it, this is through my lens. In my personal opinion, I would say at least a third, if not half of the demographics of the, those 1,600 people were people who didn't really know much about growing food or necessarily organic mm -hmm. or necessarily, you know, mm -hmm. anything like that, but were there because they, uh, they or someone in their family had some chronic disorder in their system and the traditional Western approach to um, working with that has not been successful yeah. and they all they know is that if I can healthy food is helpful and I don't know any more than that and maybe I can get information here yeah that's really what I thought was wow. different uh -huh. and 
I was so pleased that we were able to be responsive to that demographic because that's a growing demographic. And if that demographic can get engaged, I think we're home free for this shift. Yeah. Yeah. So you said... you said within 250 mile radius of where? <laughs> oh, so we were, oh, good point. Excellent. So we held the fair at in Kalispell, Montana, which is in Flathead County. And uh, we sent out invitations to the two other counties north and south of us. One is called Lake County. And uh, I'm blanking on the name of the county north of us, but it's up to the Canadian border in the town of Eureka. Wow. And we just, we just we did this whole thing from from inception to production was 11 weeks, 10 people coming together saying yes, let's make it happen, and we yeah. did it all in in 10 weeks. It was yeah. unbelievable to me, yeah. but that's it just it was just more and more information of you know when when the time is right, anything is possible. Uh huh. And we did it for a thousand dollars, and uh, it was just it was incredible, wow. just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so this year, uh, we are we've in, allocated more space and more time to accommodate uh, 2,000 participants. Mm-hmm. We're anticipating that we might get that many, and we we're 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 set up to accommodate that many. And uh, we've got 50 booths this year, and we're going to have I don't know how many yeah. workshops. So, and one we we also had these we had uh, two roundtable discussions. One was for producers, local producers, to find, have a resource for getting together and talking about how to support themselves in any way that was important for them. Uh-huh. And the other, the other uh, roundtable discussion was directed to developing a seed library. And out of that, the Good Seed Company and uh, the local county library system called Imaginist Libraries uh-huh. uh, have co-founded a county seed library nice that we're going to unveil at, at this year's free the seeds event That's, on march 4th yeah. so we're just we're so proud of the fact that you know we set the intention it manifested with grace and ease and yeah. uh, it's off and running yeah wow um that is that is yeah. that is all quite epic thank you thank you for doing that and it also points to you know what metaphorically when we start planting seeds look what happens absolutely it's beautiful yeah Yeah. it just keeps it that phrase just keeps doing its own thing yeah so i'm going to shift on you and i'd like for you to talk about a time you failed how you overcame that fairy and what you might have learned from it Mm -hmm. i can think of many times i've failed (laughs) (laughs) but uh one time that just keeps coming up is is back when i back when i was an attorney I mean, primarily only in the journey, I guess, many years, many, many years ago, I had to give a a presentation to all the other attorneys in my very large law firm. Mm -hmm. And I was, frankly, I was terrified. Uh, And I just, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know how to ask for help. And I'm not sure. I think probably the talk went fine from from everybody else's perspective, but yeah. it was a miserable experience for me, mm. and I felt like that that it felt like that was a failure. And as I've reflected on it, you know, in the context of answering this question, w- what I took away from it, I don't think at the time, but I've thought about it since, 
was that sense that I couldn't ask for help or that I didn't know that there were other resources available. And in these dialogues that I, resiliency dialogues that I do, one of the key elements and, you know, in among a, a list of six essential ingredients, in my opinion, perhaps the most important one is re- seeking outside assistance. Yeah sharing resources and cooperation. If you look at successful species in nature, there is not one example, <laughs> literally not one example of a multicellular organism on the planet today that lived, that got there by living in a vacuum. Yeah. Every organism has relied on some other organism to get where it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's essential. We can't survive without it. And so that's that's just a big takeaway for me, and it's something that I embrace more and more each day. It's because it's probably been my learning curve is learning to yeah. uh, embrace cooperation and recognize mm. it's not a weakness; it's a strength. Yeah, I have said for years that uh, competition is killing the planet. It's what we need is cooperation. So I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you yeah. consider your biggest success? I think learning learning to let go of the fact that I think I know everything and, and mm-hmm. embracing the <laughs> fact that there's much more available to me when I can let go of that yeah. and embrace the fact that, you know, here's an, here's another element from uh, the six principles of the resource, the resiliency dialogues is that, well, I guess it's the same thing, that concept of sharing resources if you want to have synergistic results, transformational results, or quantum leaps in expansion, cooperation and, and sharing resources is essential. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's the only way to, to do transformation. It's the only way to do transformation. Yeah. Um, and and I think the success we had with Free the Seeds is, a, is an example of that. Absolutely. Because it, it only happened because multiple people all leaned in and shared equal loads and there was literally no ego involved or very little. Beautiful. So what drives you? At a mental, scientific, inquisitive level, I have, I have a, I have just a fundamental curiosity about what constitutes the elements of vibrancy uh, in the human species. Mm And I've looked at it from lots of different perspectives, physical, energetic, emotional, spiritual, chemical, biological, whatever. Uh, I've looked at it from lots of different levels. So that drives me. I can't explain it other than it's just what drives me, you know, and I get a lot of joy out of it. I get a lot of joy out of thinking about it and questioning, you know, just asking questions about it. I'm very curious about it. And... Another thing, I, I feel like I'm, you know, <laughs> pu- pushing something here, but there's another element of these six resiliency principles, and one of them is that nature is recursive. Nature works, builds on what works. Oh, uh, yes. It just literally keeps leaning in. You know, it just, yeah. this, this, this works. I'm just going to do more of this. I'm going to do more of this, and it's, it creates a spiral. It's, you know, the Fibonacci spiral that you see all over in nature. Mm-hmm. But it's that concept of leaning in. And so another thing that does drive me is when I feel something that's 
that's working responsive to this question of my curiosity around vitality and vibrancy at the human level, mm-hmm. I just keep following that. And yeah. so, and I find that the more I follow that, my world just keeps getting bigger and uh, more expansive yeah. and fuller. And mm-hmm. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. It brings me tremendous joy, even though I don't necessarily know what's around the corner yeah. ever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely okay. So I'm all about education and I have to know, is there a book that has been influential for you in this process in your life? Hmm. I'm sure the answer is yes. I'm trying to think of what that one book is. So there are two books that are popping into my mind right this second to share. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the translation of the Tao by, Ah. that is translated by Stephen Mitchell. There are many translations of it, but I, I respond very strongly to the one by Stephen Mitchell. And the other book is Will Bonsell's new book called The Essential Guide to Radical Self-Reliant Gardening. It's uh, extraordinarily well-written mm-hmm. and thoughtfully written by somebody who has developed the means for creating uh, a, a resilient system that doesn't rely on animal inputs or fossil fuel inputs for a healthy soil and reliant gardening system. Awesome. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Oh, I, I just invite you to follow your curiosity, listen to your intuition, uh, trust your body's knowledge and do everything you can to get healthy food in your body. Hmm. And that includes not, you know, supporting your local farmers, voting your conscience through your dollars and, and, uh, and starting to grow your own food. There is just, it, it's, it literally is bomb for the body and the soul to put your hands in dirt oh. and let, let the soil feed you at all levels. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Robin. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Ditto. I thoroughly enjoyed it, Greg. Thank you so much for uh, asking me to come on the show. Oh, yeah, you bet. So a couple of things. First of all, uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Okay. The easiest way is uh, through our website. We have a contact page there. Our website, again, is goodseedco.net and um, send us an email and we can uh, happy to communicate with you that way Perfect. and we have lots of resources on the website if you want more information we also have a Facebook page you can post something or send us a messenger question that way as well Nice. and that's just called the Good Seed Company and for those of us that are interested in actually growing seed with you or possibly the internship program where do we find out about that? So we have that information. It's some of it is already on the website under our DIY Grow button, okay. and more of it will be coming shortly. If uh, if you don't have enough information from what you see on the website, again, send us uh, an email, and we'll hook you up with information that we have in print form. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org/backslash/goodseed. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. 
Did you know the best seeds for your garden don't come from the nursery? In fact, the seeds that will create the most robust and delicious fruits and vegetables come directly from your garden. This is because they are uniquely adapted to your growing conditions, better than anything you can buy from a fancy catalog or website. Through the magic of seed saving, it is quite possible to have the garden of your dreams. The best part is, saving your own seeds is surprisingly easy and fun. With a bit of instruction, anyone can become a seed-saving superstar. Let us teach you how in our free seed-saving webinar. Just text SEEDS to 33444 to sign up or visit SeedSavingHacked.org for more information. That's SEEDS to 33444 or visit SeedSavingHacked.org. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.